The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Falado on Football here on the Big Blue View Radio Network. I am the host, Nicholas Falado, and today I am not alone. I am joined by Big Blue View contributor Joseph Zick. Joseph, how are you doing, my man? Good, Nick. Thanks a lot for bringing me on the show. Super excited. It's going to be a lot of fun. We're going to go over the NFL free agency, but first I think we should start with the New York football Giants because the Giants have made some moves, and it's very, very exciting. It's very exciting. I think we should start with Kenny Galladay. I mean, I know Giants fans have discussed how this offense could possibly be unlocked if Jason Garrett found that X receiver, a big body player that can align on the line of scrimmage and can win contested catch balls with being a vertical threat. It's something that he had with Miles Austin, if we go back far enough, Des Bryant, Terrell Owens, and Garrett now has him. I mean, I'm very excited about having Galladay. Four years, seventy-two million, up to seventy-six million. It could get to with forty million guaranteed. Joseph, are you really excited about bringing Kenny onto the team? Yeah, definitely. Um, I used to live really close to Detroit, and I went to uh, a lot of Lions games back in the day when Stafford had um, the a lot of great weapons on his offense, including Galladay, uh, Marvin Jones, um, you know, Theo Riddick. Uh, that was an offense. We're talking two, three seasons ago. That was an offense that moved. Um, unfortunately, they just had a lot of problems in the red zone. But Galladay was, you know, he's a stud. He's a he's a stud today. Obviously, we we all know the elephant in the room is that Galladay last season um, he was sidelined with injuries a lot. And the hope for all Giants fans now is, well, we want Galladay on the field for 16 games. We want him out there for 16 games. That's for certain. We want to see him use that excellent catch radius up on vertical routes deep down the field. And he's also an excellent receiver in the quick game as well, which is going to mesh really well with what Jason Garrett wants to do. Use him on those slant routes, those quick curls, and then even in the intermediate parts of the field on those deep dig routes, which we saw Darius Slayton run pretty well this year, but using Kenny Galladay with his ability to explode from his lower body and jump over the top of safeties and just pluck balls effortlessly away from his frame and bring them in. It's something that I'm really, really looking forward to. And I know Chris and Joe and Ed and Mark Schofield talked about it on their podcast. We're going to try to focus a little bit more on the other teams around the NFL, but I also want to kind of bring up the fact they added another receiver in John Ross, an explosive deep threat. I hope that he can kind of find what he was built up to be kind of coming out of college and he can unlock something that would be close to that ninth overall pick back in 2017. I'm not overly optimistic about that. I think John Ross struggles to stay healthy. I think he struggles to catch the football. He has small hands, which is terrible. And we already have somebody on this team who drops a lot of footballs in Evan Ingram. But if he can just take the top off of defenses and just stretch the defense both vertically and horizontally, that's going to open up Kenny Galladay. It's going to open up Sterling Shepard. It's going to open up Darius Slayton. And that's what we're looking for and we're hoping for from John Ross. But outside of Kenny Galladay and John Ross, Joseph, who do you think was your favorite signing by the New York Giants? Yeah, I, you know, we were talking about this a little before. Obviously, like the Leonard Williams re-sign was the big splash. Galladay was the second big splash. But you got to go with 
Kyle Rudolph, right? Uh, a, a long distinguished career in Minnesota. Uh, he comes here two years on 12 million. I, I, I don't know how much we can expect from Kyle Rudolph this season. Uh, I, I mean, it goes without saying that, uh, Gettleman had to bring in another tight end because Evan Ingram has not always been the most consistent player. We know that Joe Judge and his staff really like him. Like Joe Judge has spoken volumes about Evan Ingram. Apparently he's great in the room. He's a great competitor. I mean, all of that stuff outside of his actual play on the field is, is sterling, right? Um, but I think a lot of Giants fans are, are just losing patience. I, I, you know, I would speak for myself. I've sort of lost patience for Evan Ingram. Uh, and it will be good to bring in Rudolph. The question, Nick, is how much can we really expect from Kyle Rudolph? I think Kyle Rudolph is going to transition really well to what Jason Garrett wants to do on those stick options, those Y option type of routes. Now, we saw Jason Witten make a career off of those Y option routes. And basically a Y option route is just a quick either curl or he has the option to turn it into an in route or an out route based on the leverage of the defender. And Kyle Rudolph has a lot of mental processing. He's a smart player, and he's got to be in sync with Daniel Jones, something that Evan Ingram just wasn't. So I'm not expecting him to come out and have a Pro Bowl year, which is very ironic because Evan Ingram just came off a comical Pro Pro Bowl season, I should say. But I do believe Kyle Rudolph is going to be a chain mover. I do believe that he's somebody who can catch six to seven touchdowns here, which honestly could ha- secure him a Pro Bowl bid if George Kittle and some of these other tight ends in the NFC end up actually end up getting injured like they were last year. But I actually think Kyle Rudolph is going to be a solid blocker for this team, a better blocker than what Evan Ingram was able to do. And I think he's going to be a really nice safety blanket for Daniel Jones while providing the fact that he's going to be a good red zone option as well. So I'm really excited as well for the Kyle Rudolph addition. I mean, it was originally reported that it was eight mil a year. It's not. It's just two years, twelve million, four and a half million dollar signing bonus. He's going to make a base salary of two point five million in 2021, five million base in 2022. You can release him after this season if it doesn't work out, and it's not going to be a damning type of dead cap situation. I think another player would be the teammate that the Giants signed from the Minnesota Vikings, Ifidi Odenigbo. He's an edge rusher, plays with really good leverage, uses his hands well at the top of the arc to get to his rip move, can convert speed to power, can play the run well. He kind of destroys tight ends as blockers, now bigger tackles because he's not that long of a guy, can kind of get in on him a little bit. But I still think that is a low-key signing at one year, $2.5 million that I also really liked. And I think Devontae Booker is going to be a good running back. I just don't understand the two years, $5.5 million deal just because I don't think anybody was running out to sign Devontae Booker to that type of deal. But you know, I'm not going to cry over that, especially since Gettleman has made all of these other moves to help improve this 2021 New York Giants team. It's it's almost insane to think about two years ago, like how little weapons the Giants had in in uh, Daniel Jones' first year. Like it's 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 crazy to think of that. And, and um, Darius Slayton like has overachieved, and well, I, I should actually say not necessarily overachieved, but he he's done so well compared to what we thought he would do. And I think there's still a huge ceiling for him. Sterling Shepard has, has came in and made plays, but now the giants actually have a true number one threat. And that'll put Darius Slayton and Sterling Shepard into, into the number two and three slots where they will probably thrive. Right. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. For, for me, I don't, I don't, I'm not expecting much from the John Ross signing. Um, one cool thing, like he's going to be uh, back with his old buddy Dante Pettis, who, of course, the, the Giants brought in late in the year. Uh, John Ross and Dante Pettis crushed it in Washington. Um, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm just not not expecting too much. But overall, like, yeah, like you said, Gettleman has improved the offense. I'm really excited. I, I'm totally excited uh, um, to see what – and especially with Daniel Jones' uh, – progression like going from year two to year three this is a year where where Giants fans are expecting progress like there is there will be real expectations on Daniel Daniel Jones 
one guy he's been compared to a lot in, in terms of progression has been Josh Allen. But with Josh Allen, you know, from the end of year one and then into year two, there, there, you clearly saw that progression where with DJ, he, he kind of went down a little, but I mean, we could go into that a lot. I mean, he, he certainly, he was without some of his biggest tools this year. So a lot of optimism on the offensive side of the ball this year. Yeah, he's being compared a lot from Josh Allen's second year to his third year. And now you can even kind of make that comparison and uh, make it even more, I guess, concrete. Just because, just like Josh Allen, who got Stefan Diggs, Daniel Jones gets Kenny Galladay, a true number one wide receiver. And that's something that I feel like he needed. I feel like this offense needed to kind of take this offense to the next step. And I'm not super high on what Jason Garrett was able to do last year. I mean, they were 31st in yards. They were 31st in points. That's not going to cut it, but I really hope that they can kind of figure it out, reinvent the wheel a little bit and kind of unlock new schemes for Jason Garrett, new concepts, I should say, for Jason Garrett. I love the power gap system that they use to run the football, but now I think you need to kind of implement a more creative way to throw the football. And maybe Freddie Kitchens can help that now that he is that offensive analyst. And then you got to think about uh, with Saquon coming back from his ACL. Like, uh, what are we expecting from Saquon? Uh, Devontae Booker coming in as as backup. I, I mean, I, I have no reason not to think that Saquon will will be back to his old form. Like, I... I I think with a lot of guys who who have an ACL tear like you, you wonder, but I, I think the best is yet to come for Saquon. Which is amazing for Giants fans to hear, and I happen to agree with you, Joseph. All right, but before we get into what's going on around the NFL, we're going to take a quick break to hear a word from our sponsors. Support for this show comes from Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Loom help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. That's why millions of teams around the world, including 75% of the Fortune 500, trust Atlassian Software for everything from space exploration and green energy to delivering pizzas and podcasts. Whether you're a team of two, 200 or 2 million, or whether your team is around the corner or on another continent altogether, Atlassian Software is built to help keep you all on the same page from start to finish. That way, every one of your teams, from engineering and IT to marketing, HR and legal, can stay connected and move together as one towards shared company-wide goals. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com. That's A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. All righty, everybody. So, Joseph, let's talk about the rest of the National Football League. How did you feel... Or what teams, I should ask, what teams do you feel are kind of winners coming out of free agency so far? And I know there's still some time, there's still some big-named free agents that are out there that can really help a lot of these teams. Hopefully the Giants land a Dory Jackson. But what teams around the NFL do you feel like kind of did well for themselves, other than the New York Giants, of course? Yeah, you got to go with the Patriots. Uh, just listen to this one stat. Accounting for 16 of the Patriots' 19 signings and re-signings, they have guaranteed about $162.5 million. That smashes the prior NFL record of $147 million. And get this, when Robert Kraft purchased the New England Patriots in 1994, he paid $172 million. So he paid $10 million more to buy the team than what they've guaranteed in this offseason. And it's 
I mean, uh, I, listen, I, I grew up, uh, my, my guilty secret, I grew up and still am a, a big Bills fan and we despise the Patriots, but you have to admire what they did. I mean, they, they brought just so many good players on board this, this offseason. And it's not even really Patriot-like, too. Like, Patriots are not known for a team to go out and spend massive money. They always go out and get people on the cheap to fill specific roles. But look at these contracts, man. Matt Judon, four years, $54 million. Hunter Henry, $337. Johnny Smith, $450. Nelson Aguilar, $222. Jalen Mills from Philadelphia, who's not even that great, $424. Bring <laughs> it back, Kyle Van Noy for $212 million deal. Kendrick Born 315. They got they retained David Andrews, their center, for 419. Davin Godshaw from Miami, two for fifteen. I mean, that's a lot of money that they're tossing around, and I didn't even bring up all the one-year deals that they ended up shelling out. Uh one hundred percent. And along with resigning Andrews, they signed their old center, Ted Karras, to to one year four mil. So Assuming Karras is going to probably go to guard, then if if Andrews, uh, yeah, I mean Andrews is going to slot back in their center. Um, they got Trent Brown from a trade from the Raiders. I love the Hunter Henry uh, signing. I, I think Henry, like, I mean, I, I you can't even say he's underrated. Like everybody knows how good Hunter Henry is. Janu Smith, I gotta, I gotta be honest. Like I, I know he was a really high first round draft pick, but I haven't like personally seen too much out of Janu Smith. I'm I'm not too sure what to expect. Um, Agu- like Nelson Aguilar took a lot of heat in Philadelphia. <laughs> I mean, I mean, Philadelphia fans are are by nature they are very uh, they let their opinions known. But um, like last year was was undoubtedly his his coming out party. After frankly, like I don't know, like you couldn't really even call him a number one in Philly. I mean, they 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 didn't even look at him as that and. So it, that'll be interesting to see how, like, if, if Aguilar kind of continues his um, progression. Um, Nick, I, I want to ask you a question. What's up? What do you feel? I mean, it's like, what's a good analogy for this? So you, you know, you, um, I don't know. It's like you have a um, a Nissan a Nissan Sentra, and you souped it up with all this these amazing parts to go around it. But it's still a Nissan Sen- I mean, maybe pe- listeners out there are going to call me crazy, but I, this is going to be a hot take here. I think Cam Newton's the Nissan Center here. Like, I think Cam Newton is the elephant in the room. The Patriots don't have a real quarterback. They signed all these players, but they don't, like, you know what? I'll, I'll let, Nick, what's your opinion on this? I think Cam Newton struggled with COVID last year, but I tend to agree. His windup takes forever for him to get the ball out of his hand and the struggles down the stretch of the year. I mean, they were evident. And I know a lot of people, like I just said, you can point to COVID and I think there's some merit to that, but it just was not effective last season. And I'm not sure if if they're done quite yet. If Mac Jones does fall to pick 15, would they go in that direction? And how dare you disparage Nissan Sentras, Joseph? <laughs> but I, I, I can see what you're saying. It, it's not a great quarterback situation right now up there. I think a lot of people, like at least me, I could speak for myself. I and probably not you because you're a Bills fan, I would love for Cam Newton to kind of reclaim who he once was and kind of prove a lot of doubters wrong. I'm not overly optimistic about that. Now with these two tight ends, John New Smith, Hunter Henry, they spent two day, day two picks last year on Devin Asiasi and then uh, Dalton Keene. They spent two day two picks on those guys, and now you bring in both of these guys, it's like they're just going to run these huge tight end packages, and I understand they want to kind of get back to using 12 personnel, and I think there's that's a good thing. Now, it reminds us all of the Rob Gronkowski and Aaron Hernandez days, but 12 personnel isn't as much of a mismatch nightmare as it once was because teams aren't For using sure. linebackers like they used to they're just not they have hybrid defenders who are really defensive backs that can play the box I mean look at the Giants defense they have several defenders who are like that with Xavier McKinney with Jabril Peppers even Logan Ryan to an extent and we saw Julian Love do that back in 2019 fill a pretty solid role drop it down in the box after Jabril Peppers left with injuries so the whole 12 personnel thing I think can be a little bit overstated a bit in terms of creating mismatches with the defense but at that same time I think Jonu Smith and Hunter Henry are much more skilled than the 
players that they had playing for them in 2020 in terms of just being pass catchers. And I also think Hunter Henry can kind of help you or help the Patriots in terms of blocking. And there's another name too, Joseph, that I feel like is, is under the radar. He got a two-year, $7 million deal. And that's Henry Anderson, who I feel like is going to really fit well with the Bill Belichick defense. I mean, I know he's 30 years old. He's coming from the Jets. But I've always admired his game as a run defender and somebody who can actually create pressure despite the fact that he's not overly athletic. Yeah, and and they also grabbed uh, Montrevious Adams, who was an absolute beast at Auburn. Uh, the Packers let him go, and, and the... And Belichick got him for one year at $2.5 million. I know. And that's just another one of those signings that the Patriots tend to do. And the next thing you know, the guy's out there sacking the quarterback and doing well. And I brought up the Jets before. And, Joseph, I wanted to ask you, how did you feel the Jets did in this free agency period? Yeah, uh, Jets were definitely a big winner. Um, it was pretty cool. Uh, I know Ed Valentine had uh, former Jets GM Mike Tenenbaum on before. Um yeah, I I, uh, I thought the Jets brought on a, a few good offensive additions and some real defensive value signings. I mean, just uh, I think just today or late yesterday they they announced uh, former Saints first round pick Sheldon Rankins. The the Jets signed him to two years for up to seventeen point five million. Um, so I'm just gonna go in in here and, and check out the Jets uh, signings. I mean. Two solid wide receivers in Keelan Cole and Corey Davis. I, I mean, obviously Corey Davis is a little bit more of a big name. I'm not ready to, I'm not ready to call Corey Davis a number one. I, this, this it's just the eye test, Nick. That's, but, um, I mean, he, he had his best season in Tennessee last year. So, um, we'll have to see how that goes. Um, they got Tyler Croft from the Bills, but Croft was injured a lot last year. I think definitely defensively, like I said, like look at some of these names they brought on. Carl Lawson, Carl Lawson from the Bengals, three years, 45 million. Sheldon Rankins from the Saints, two years, 17 million. Um, speedy linebacker Jared Davis, who played at Florida, they got him from, from Detroit. He signs a one year, seven million deal. That's under the radar for me. Jared Davis is a good linebacker. Um, obviously they, they franchise tag Marcus May. Um, and then here's a, uh, well, they, they also, they also uh, signed LaMarcus Joyner, one year, 4.5. But I loved the Justin Hardy uh, signing. I believe he was, uh, he's been like a Pro Bowl special teamer, like, what, every year for the past five years. I'd have to double check that. Um, but yeah, the, I mean, the Jets, uh, they did well this off offseason. They definitely did. That makes two New York football teams. And I'm a big Carl Lawson fan. I think he's... An edge rusher coming out of Auburn, he fell in the draft because he had some injury issues, some hip issues, and he's not somebody who necessarily sacks the quarterback all that much, but he really generates pressures and gets after the quarterback, and I do believe that is a very understated part of some of these defenders. We always talk about sacks and stats and all of that, but I just think being able to pressure the quarterback and throw off the timing between the quarterback and the receiver, I think that is something that is vital to edge rushers, and he does that really, really well. He's only 26 years old. He has also an array of pass rushing moves, plays with great leverage because he's a little bit smaller. I mean, he uses his long arm incredibly well to keep his chest clean, has a hump move that's great. So he he really uh, caught my eye as a free agent. So that was a really good landing by the New York Jets. But Joseph, who else do you consider a winner? Yeah, I mean, you got to say the Bucks and the 49ers, uh, the Bucks seemingly retained all their Super Bowl talent. Brady, Gronk, uh, Chris Godwin gets the franchise tag. Shaq Barrett gets a huge deal. They bring back Levante David. Um, you know, the, the Buccaneers did everything they needed to do this offseason, and they will be a threat next year as well. Um, the 49ers, they, they retained a lot of important talent, right? They, the, I believe it would have been, it's, it has been the biggest deal of free agency, would have been Trent Williams. Uh, again, I'll have to double check that. Um, they brought back Kyle Juszczyk, who had a great season last year, uh, Alex Mack, their center, and Jason Verrett, um, sort of like a sneaky little signing, one year at five mil. Jason Verrett has, like, almost lost, uh, almost lost three years of football because of an Achilles rupture, an ACL tear, and, um, and other injuries. But before that, he was a pro bowler. Last year, he played well. He's healthy. Uh, I think that should be good. And then, like the Cardinals, um, to me, they they just had a lot of big big splash signings, right? Like bringing in AJ Green was like the talk of the NFL. Um, 
they got Rodney Hudson, uh, from, from the, the Raiders, the Raiders, uh, sell off of, of seemingly their entire offensive line. Uh, JJ Watt obviously was a big, big, uh, signing and then they re-signed Marcus Golden. And, um, maybe I can, I can, you know, turn the tables on you, Nick, and, and I will ask you about two teams here, uh, that I thought was a winner in free agency, but there's been various media that are calling them a loser. Uh, first, I'll ask you, what did you think about Houston's haul? Ah, the Houston Texans. I mean, let's first talk about how that's a terrible situation going on there. It's very, very unfortunate, but we'll see how that all plays out. Now, Houston signed, I felt like, a bunch of just average, run-of-the-mill type of players. Some of the guys are over the hill, guys like Mark Ingram, who are going to go in there and split time with David Johnson. But I think bringing in guys like Desmond King, I think bringing in Philip Lindsay, Christian Kirksey, I yeah. think those are three signings that are going to help their team just in general. Philip Lindsay is also going to be that more explosive back to pair with David Johnson. And I guess Mark Ingram, if he ends up making the team as well. And honestly, Houston's probably the most undesirable place to go to right now in the National Football League, and even the fact that they were able to kind of get players that I just named, and even someone like Kevin Pierre-Lewis, who was with Washington last year, you sign him to a two-year, $7 million deal, I think that's a solid get. Jordan Jenkins is another solid edge rusher, plays outside linebacker, 27-year-old, will fit well in a 3-4 type of defense. I think that's a solid get. Derek Rivers, now he's somebody who, coming out of Youngstown State a while ago, he was a solid player. But he's dealt with nothing but basically injuries while he was with the New England Patriots. Can you kind of recapture his career? I think it could have been a lot worse. They were able to get players that can have an impact and are kind of on the cheap with possible high upsides who are kind of trying to reclaim their career in a really kind of crappy situation in Houston. I think they could have done a lot worse, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, New York Post called them a, a loser. Uh, Sports Illustrated called them base, quote unquote, Basically becoming a catch-all for veterans hoping to cash out one last time before retirement. That, or a feeding ground for players Bill Belichick doesn't want anymore. But, I I mean, I like what Houston did. I mean, like you said, I mean, a lot of sort of middle to upper middle talent. I mean, Tyrod Taylor, I just, you know, Ty, Ryan Finley, it's it's not very big for me. Uh, yeah, I, I like the Philip Lindsay and Mark Ingram signings. Um the, you know, they brought in a few, a trio of wide receivers who aren't, you know, are maybe two or three guys or maybe arguably four. Uh, Andre Roberts, Alex Erickson, Dante Moncrief. How about Marcus Cannon, right? This guy's a perennial pro bowler from, from the Patriots. Um, they brought in Justin McCray and Justin Britt, um, two, I suppose, lower to mid end, uh, offensive linemen. Shaq Lawson's a big one. Oh, I'm sorry. I was thinking, no, um, yeah, Shaq Lawson, he started his career in the, uh, with the Bills, went to the Dolphins last year. He's, he's shown, um, like little sparks of promise, uh, but hasn't really reached the ceiling. So, um, sorry, that was not a big one. I love, uh, I love the, the Malik Collins signing. I mean, Malik Collins, D tackle from Dallas. He's a, he is a starting D tackle in this league. Uh, like you said, Christian Kirksey, they got Terrence Mitchell for, uh, for two years at 7.5. Vernon Hargraves III, a former Florida standout who hasn't really lived up to the hype. Um, Desmond King. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, it'll be cool to say, you know, I, I think like what needs to happen, uh, Nick Casario and, and everybody in the, in, in Houston, I'm, what I'm guessing is they're just waiting for things to, to just slow down. They're waiting for the NFL media to stop caring about Deshaun Watson. They're going to play the long game with Deshaun Watson. They're, I don't think they're going to let him go, and we'll all see what happens in week one. Yeah, that's a interesting situation, and you brought up the Florida Gators twice. Joseph, are you a closet Florida Gators fan? No, no, I just watch a lot of college ball, and, and I mean, all these guys who I brought up, like they, you know, they, they, all these guys played so well in college, and, and that's just the way it goes in the NFL, you know, you're, you're, you're amazing in college, and then... You meet your match in the NFL. I'm actually uh, I'm a pretty big Longhorns fan. Do you have any other winners, or do you want to get right into the losers? Um, I would love to go over uh, the Raiders. Okay, like John Gruden's been taking <laughs> a lot of heat. Um, 
And, you know, everybody's like piling on John Gruden for letting go, uh, three of his five O-line starters, albeit all of them aging and Rod- Rodney Hudson, Gabe Jackson and Trent Brown. Um, I, I, I don't know what's, what's going on there. I mean, like obviously Gruden's gonna, uh, draft a few O-linemen. Like there's no doubt about that. I, I, I'm not really sure what, what was going on in that room, why he let them all go. It was, sort of abrupt, but you know, at the same time, like KC just released both of their starting tackles and, and nobody really gives that too much of a thought, but everybody's piling on, piling on Gruden. Um, if we just go into the Raiders signings, I mean, I, I liked it. You know, Kenyon Drake is, a, is a great running back. Theo Riddick, um, Lions fans love Theo when, you know, like a jack of all trades running back. Uh, John Brown, he got John Brown from Buffalo and, and this guy is like an amazing locker room guy, like a super positive player. Um, unfortunately he did deal with some injuries, but, uh, this past season, but two seasons ago, he was the Bills, uh, leading wide receiver. Um, Richie Incognito comes back. They sign Yannick. Uh, there's two ways to say this in Gakwe or in Ku. How do you say his name, Nick? I just call him Yannick Ngakwe. There you go. Yannick Ngakwe. Um, Quentin Jefferson, uh, Solomon Thomas. They got Solomon Thomas from the, the 49ers, a former third, third overall pick. I, I like the Raiders Hall. I don't know. What did you think about the Raiders Hall? I mean, it's puzzling, uh, to me, just what happened with their offensive line. That's a very, very puzzling situation. I think adding Yannick Ngakwe was a good move for them. I mean, they, I believe they still have Arden Key. They still have Cleveland Farrell. They got Max Crosby. That's a solid trio. Farrell never lived up to where he was drafted. He shouldn't have been drafted fourth overall anyways, to be honest. He was more of a late round one type of player, a solid player, but not somebody that is going to, should be a top five pick, at least in my opinion. And I actually liked him coming out of that draft. But bringing in Yannick Ngakwe, that's somebody that's going to be able to obviously put pressure on opposing quarterbacks, and that's what you want. Kenyon Drake puzzled me a little bit just because you have Josh Jacobs, but they lost Devontae Booker. You still have Jalen Richard. You brought back Theo Riddick. Two years, $11 million. I mean, that's not a ton of money, so I'm not going to sit there and complain uh, overly about that. And I think bringing in John Brown was a smart move to replace Nelson Aguilar. This is a much cheaper contract. This is somebody, when he stays healthy, he can take the top off of defenses so I I did like the addition of John Brown but I do keep scratching my head a little bit about what the heck happened with that offensive line yeah I I'm not sure I'd I'd really have to look like look into their their cap hits and their contracts and or I don't know or was there something personal going on in that in that room um every a lot of people seem to to call John Gruden crazy and say he doesn't know what he's doing, but I'm guessing there's method to his madness. Uh, how about, um, real quick, I know we've kind of gone over the winners a lot, uh, Jacksonville. Uh, I thought Jacksonville brought in some some key players. I mean, Tyson Aluoglu, two years at three mil, that's a good deal. Jihad Ward, they got him for 2.5 mil. Uh, Malcolm Brown, the former Longhorn, uh, they got him in a trade from New Orleans Saints, the D-tackle. Uh, and then they, they signed Roy Robertson Harris to big money, three years, 24.4 million. And they brought in, um, a pair of corners in Sidney Jones, who, who hasn't quite lived up to his hype. Uh, well, they re-signed him, sorry. And then Shaq Griffin was their big, um, was, I think that was Jacksonville's biggest signing so far was, uh, Shaquille Griffin over from Seattle. They got him three years at 44.5 million. I, I feel like it could have been a bit of an overpayment there. Um, but and then finally they 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 signed uh, safety Rayshon Jenkins. They got him four years at thirty five million. What, what's your thoughts, Nick? Yeah, for Jacksonville, I think it's an intriguing spot. First off, I think all these Florida, Texas, Nevada, and Tennessee teams have a real advantage over teams that are from New York and California, just because their states don't have income tax. So a lot of players end up flocking to teams like Jacksonville. But I think adding two players that really catch my mind, because Jacksonville really struggled to stop the run last year, I think bringing in Roy Robertson-Harris from Chicago and bringing back Tyson Alualu from the Steelers, and this member of Jacksonville drafted him, I think those are really good signings to kind of fortify the defensive line, and that's something that they need. And you also need the back end. Remember, they drafted C.J. Henderson Last year, first round, really good man cover type of guy, but had ups and downs. I thought Sidney Jones played well for them. You retained him and brought him back. But now you bring in Shaq Griffin 
and Rashawn Jenkins to kind of help solidify your secondary. I think that's a solid type of move. Bringing Carlos Hyde to be the second fiddle to James Robinson. I think that's also a really smart kind of investment there. Um, Urban Meyer knows Carlos Hyde. I think Urban Meyer is, is just a name that a lot of these players are probably going to be attracted to. He has roots all throughout the National Football League from players that Absolutely. he used to coach at huge programs. I mean, we're talking about Ohio State. We're talking about the University of Florida. I mean, Utah. Go back to his mm-hmm. days at mm-hmm. Bowling Green. I mean, he's been around and he knows a ton of people in the NFL. And I think he's going to draw a lot of people. And the fact that they have all that cap room and all that draft capital is going to bring in more free agents. And everywhere Urban Meyer has been in college – they ended up winning. Now, granted, they all ended up having these weird scandals, but that's neither here nor there. So we'll see if this works out, but I'm not going to sit here and knock this. I think they needed to find a run stuffer. I'm surprised they didn't go after someone like Dalvin Tomlinson. I think he would have been amazing, but Roy Robertson-Harris is a beast. He's a different type of player, but he's also a beast, a very underrated signing by them. Yeah, and uh, what did you think about Shaq Griffin? Shaq Griffin, yeah, that's that's a bit pricey for for Shaquille Griffin. I mean, three years, forty million dollars, an annual of thirteen point three. But I mean, they have the cap space to spend. He is a solid player. They can bring him in, and there's the train right there. You get to hear it for the first time. But I, I don't. I'm not gonna sit here and uh, I won't destroy it. But that does seem like a lot of money. But he's a 26 year old who has shown a lot of promise on film. He just kind of needs it to stay healthy. And. Uh, are you ready to hear my losers, Nick? That's the question. Yeah, let's dive into them, Joseph. Okay, so, um, yeah, I mean, I think I'm feeling for anybody in Chicago. I mean, the Bears fans obviously are disappointed after the team valiantly tried to mortgage the farm for Russell Wilson. They reportedly offered three first-round picks, a third-round pick, and two starters. We don't know who, the, who those would have been. Um, instead, they got Andy Dalton. Uh, yeah, whatever your reaction is to that, Nick. Yeah, I mean, Andy Dalton, I honestly, I think that was the move since they ended up losing out on Carson Wentz. They weren't going to end up getting Deshaun Watson, and they kind of lost out on all the big quarterback sweepstakes that were going on. And Andy Dalton, I think he's an upgrade over Nick Foles, to be honest. Now, it, it's not inspiring at all. It's not something that you love to see, but... <laughs> It's still, I think, an upgrade over what you had last year. Uh, that, it's a tough call. It's a tough call. Um, obviously Nick Foles, he's had, it's, it's very difficult to understand Nick Foles. I mean, obviously he had that amazing, uh, run with, with the Eagles and under Doug Peterson and then he, he, he goes to Jacksonville and doesn't do much and then in Chicago, I mean, he couldn't really light a spark uh, for the Bears when when uh, they benched Trubisky. I don't know. Like, Andy Dalton last year for the Cowboys was, I suppose, sort of a bounce-back season. He had a few good games. But, man, even for me, like, I know that quarterbacks, the market dictates these salaries. But, like, even for me, one year, $10 million seems like a little bit much for Andy Dalton. It's it's hefty, but you're, you just said it, man. Quarterbacks end up dictating the market, and we've seen backups get this type of money in certain places before. So this is somebody who was basically guaranteed the starting job. At least that's what he said. Obviously, there's still going to be a competition between him and Foles, and Foles can still realistically beat Andy Dalton out. I think Dalton's a superior talent to Nick Foles, but like I said, uninspiring. Yeah, and... and um I would not be surprised if the Bears go after a quarterback in the draft. And, and also going way back to when we were talking about the Patriots, I, I expect Belichick to go after a, a quarterback. I mean, there's, there's, there's no way in my mind that Belichick doesn't go after a quarterback in the draft. Um, but so just to keep it to the Bears, though, um, I guess their big splash was Desmond Trufant, the corner. They got him for one year, and then they franchised Allen Robinson, which was the right move. I mean, Allen Robinson has been their offense <laughs> last year and he has proved himself as a, a number one in this league yes Allen robinson's an absolute stud and it's funny the pairs brought in kenny galladay to be like hey you better sign your franchise tag and it actually worked Allen robinson ended up signing that franchise tag and giant fans are very happy about that undoubtedly undoubtedly and 
let's go over to, I mean, the Falcons. Now, okay, we're going to go, I just want to preface this. We're saying losers, but um, that might not be accurate. I mean, just because a team doesn't sign a million players doesn't mean they're losers. Just because a team just simply didn't have a lot of cap space, that doesn't mean they're losers if their money's tied up in actual good players. Um, but here, that's the, uh, you know, we're going to discuss the teams that simply didn't do a lot. I mean, the Falcons, they didn't, they hardly did anything, right? They brought in Lee Smith. <laughs> they got Lee Smith, a blocking tight end from the Bills. Uh, safety Eric Harris, a former uh, CFLer there. I'm Canadian. I have to add that in. Um, you know, the, the Rams, I mean, yeah, they brought in Matt Stafford, but not much more than that. The, the Eagles didn't do a lot. Any of these names, feel free to jump right in, Nick. Yeah, I mean, the Falcons ended up adding Brandon Copeland, somebody the Giants were interested in to a one-year, $1 million deal and some change. That's something that, I mean, like you kind of touched on it. Their entire cap seems like it's kind of lodged between Julio Jones and Matt Ryan, a quarterback that they're kind of looking to move on from. So it's not exactly a great situation. And I think it's important to kind of look within our division at teams like the Philadelphia Eagles and even the Dallas Cowboys, the Washington football team. Do any of those teams, actually, I'm going to ask you, do any of those teams feel like winners to you? I think Dallas had somewhat of an interesting free agent period, but uh, do any of those three teams in the Giants division feel like they were winners to you? Um, I, I didn't think so, but I know a lot of uh, sites around uh, online have said that uh, Washington was a low key winner in that, for once, uh, Dan Snyder didn't appear to meddle in, in the, you know, in the GM office and, and, you know, they didn't make, they didn't commit massive amounts of money to signings that weren't the most intelligent. I mean, they, this year they, they brought in some good players. I mean, they got William Jackson the third from the Bengals, three years, 40, 40.5 million. Um, Brandon Scherf, they kind of bolstered their O line there. Curtis Samuel, they paid, um, a good penny for Curtis Samuel, the uh, the ex Carolina Panther, and of course uh, Urban Myers, old guy in at Ohio State, three years at thirty five, thirty four point five. Uh, Fitzy, uh, Fitz Magic, Ryan Fitzpatrick goes to Washington, one year at ten million. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, Washington was a little bit under the radar, but they they improved their team. I would agree with that with Washington. I, I believe they were under the radar. I'm a big believer in William Jackson. I think he's one of the probably above average to to good cornerbacks in this league with the potential of being one of the top 10 to top 15 type of corners if he can really unlock that with just the length and his movement skills that he has he has the ability to play man coverage he's good in zone kind of sees the field well read reacts attacks on underneath routes I kind of like what I've seen from him but he was toiling away in Cincinnati just like Carl Lawson was just like so many players end up doing and then as for Curtis Samuel I think him going with the other other Ohio State wide receiver and Terry McLaurin right. that makes a formidable one-two punch for Ryan Fitzpatrick who got that one-year $10 million deal and Joseph I want to put you on the spot here if, if you were an owner of an NFL team right now who are you having leading your team Andy Dalton or Ryan Fitzpatrick Ryan Fitzpatrick 100% I mean Andy, <laughs> Andy Dalton is like He's it, just so over underwhelming for me. His best his best years are behind him. It's like Cam. Like I know um, I know I might take some heat for calling him a Nissan Sentra. And by the way, like I I love Cam at Cam the person. Like I've I think this off season over the past year he's done a really good job like remarketing himself. He was just on Brandon Marshall's podcast and and that was like such a fascinating podcast to listen to. Like. Cam Newton genuinely seems like a cool guy. Like, a, a, like a, I'm sure he'd be great in the locker room too. Now, of course, it wasn't. It once wasn't that way. I'm, you know, I'm guessing when he was younger. But, anyways, look, um, Cam Newton's best days are behind him as well. That, like, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm not going to hold back. Like, the the Pats do not have a quarterback. I just don't see it. I don't see Dalton doing anything. And at least Fitzpatrick will gun it. Like, at least, you know, for. I don't know. Five or six out of those, out of the, that season, five or six games out of that season, he will pull some magic out of his hat. He will. And it's going to be really exciting too. And I really hope that magic is just squashed in two of those games against the New York Giants. But against those Philadelphia Eagles, man, he can have all the magic that he freaking wants. What, and what's going right. on in Philly, Nick? Like it's, they, they, they didn't bring anybody in this offseason. 
Now, well, their cap situation is horrendous because they're allocating so much money to a quarterback who's not even on their roster right now. And they're one of those teams that keeps kicking the can down the road. And I think Howie Roseman has done a great job with the cap. That usually ends up catching up with you. It hasn't caught up with the Saints yet. Drew Brees ends up retiring. But you, when you give a big contract to a player and that con- and that player doesn't end up being a fit, like Carson Wentz, and he ends up getting moved, that creates so much dead cap. And you you can't end up getting away from it. They have absolutely no cap space. Honestly, they're lucky they ended up getting Anthony Harris to a one-year, $5 million deal, a player who was supposed to be a darling of last year's free agent cycle, but he ended up getting franchise tagged by the Minnesota Vikings. But yeah, they, they're in a tough spot, and I couldn't be happier about it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I mean, no, there is no love, love lost there between Giants fans and Eagles fans. Um, I, I guess Howie Roseman's going to have to to work some magic in the draft, but uh, yeah, we're we're going to see how 2021 works out for the Eagles. Uh, I Nick, I did want to bring up the Denver Broncos. Um, I was a little underwhelmed by their signing. I thought they overpaid like crazy for Ron Darby. I mean, they're giving. Former Eagles and, and Bills and Washington corner Ronald Darby, $10 million a season, and I just do not think he deserves that. On the plus side, they they franchised Justin Simmons. They, uh, I mean, that's great. They got Kyle Fuller from the Bears at one year, $9.5 million. But uh, besides that, like I didn't see too much great things from Denver. Yeah, it's it's weird, too, because I think I'd prefer Fuller to Darby, even though Darby's a little bit younger. Darby, I mean, he was good last year for Washington, but Washington was also a team that put so much pressure on the quarterbacks and made it a little bit easier for their cornerbacks on the back end. And it's I think it's really interesting, too, because they Denver ended up going out and getting Darby and Fuller because if we look at the draft, Denver Broncos pick ahead of the New York Giants. And a lot of people were saying that they were locked in to take either Caleb Farley or Patrick Sertan the second. And that's probably not, it's probably not going to happen now that they added Darby and Fuller and they have that kid that they drafted in the third round out of Iowa last year who they like and who had a solid rookie season. Uh, I'm just gonna, who is that kid? Uh, I'm just gonna kinda. His last name is a little bit difficult to pronounce. Uh, I think it's Ojemudia. Ah, yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, you know what? Let's skip ahead from that because I don't, I I don't, I can't add too much there. Yeah. Okay. Michael Ojemudia. Right. Yes. And I just think it's interesting because if the Giants don't end up getting a Dory Jackson, I do believe that Farley or Sertan could be an option at the 11th pick for the New York Giants. Now, I think they would probably go maybe in a direction of a Micah Parsons or a Rashawn Slater. I really think it's important to bolster that offensive line. And if you add Micah Parsons, you're basically adding somebody who's an edge rusher too because he's so effective in blitz packaging. And I think it would be awesome for Patrick Graham to utilize his skill set but I just think it's fascinating that uh, that free agency is changing how we all perceive the draft, and it's going to make the draft even more exciting in next uh, next month in April. Well, and if, if there's one thing we know about Giants general manager Dave Gettleman, it's that he loves bolstering his old lines. He does love bolstering his old lines, and he does not love trading back. <laughs> That's for certain. But Joseph, do you have any other teams that you want to go over here as teams that just didn't really do that much? Yeah, I would say uh, I got Ravens, Steelers, Colts, Packers. Um, you know, if, if you want to pick any of those, we can go right into it. Raver, Ravens, Steelin, Steelers, Colts, or Packers? Well, you got to look at the Ravens. I mean, they replaced DJ Fluker with Giants, Kevin Zeitler. They end up bringing him in three years, $22.5 million, getting paid about $7.5 million per year. And I think that's excellent for Kevin Zeitler. It it sucks that he ended up being a cap casualty of the New York Giants. I think he's an awesome human being. I think he's a good player. Now he might be somewhat on the decline just because he is 31 years old, but I think that's still a good get by the Baltimore Ravens and he'll fit in well with the power gap scheme that they like to use. And honestly, Zeitler's probably a little bit more of a zone scheme guy if you had to kind of label it that way, but I think he's more than capable of pulling. He has the athletic ability to do that and down blocking and sealing an edge. So I think that's a good signing by the Baltimore Ravens. Yeah, I mean the Ravens obviously had big decisions to make on on their front seven, right? They 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 elected to let Matt Judon go and he signed for big money. 
Um, meanwhile, they re-signed Tyus Bowser, four years at $22 million. They re-signed Pernell McPhee to a one-year deal. Justin Ellis re-signs. Derek Wolf, they get him three years at $12 million. So, I mean, they, they, you know, like many teams, they just had to, they had a cap casualty. Yeah, absolutely. And for Green Bay, who did the Green Bay Packers sign? They re-signed Aaron Jones. Yeah, they re-signed Aaron Jones, and that's really about it. I mean, Jabal Williams obviously is a byproduct of that decision. He ends up going to Detroit on a two-year, $6 million deal, and it's... I mean, Green Bay just didn't uh, do all that much. And it's, it still boggles my mind what they did in the 2020 draft. They went and they selected the backup quarterback <laughs> to Aaron Rodgers when they're a team that can go to the realistically go to the Super Bowl in the next three or four seasons. They have the foundation in place, and that's what you do. And then in the second round, you draft A.J. Dillon, a player I like, a player I think is going to have a much bigger role this year. But then this year, you give Aaron Jones a big contract. So it's just like, do you guys have a vision? Or what, what exactly is Green Bay doing? Yeah, and then, I mean, the, you always talk, like all the fans always talk about how the, the Packers aren't giving Aaron Rodgers, you know, uh, tools to, to play with on the offense. And you mentioned they picked Jordan Love. Then they in the second round, they got A.J. Dillon. Third round. They did go tight end. They got Josiah DeGuara from Cincinnati. Uh, then, you know, they, they picked a, a guard in the center in the sixth round. Like they, they really haven't been giving him a lot of, uh, tools to work with. The, the only upside to all of this is, you know, what if Jordan Love does turn out to be the, the quarterback, um, that the Packers obviously expect him to be? I mean, they invested a lot in him and, uh, in, in a modern, era where quarterbacks jump right into the starting spot right away. You have Jordan Love who has the, all of last season and very likely all of this upcoming season to learn under a future Hall of Famer. So that, you know, that's the only upside I can see. That would be the upside. It's just how much longer do you expect Aaron Rodgers to be there? Because eventually five years is going to be up in a flash and Jordan Love is going to be expecting a second contract. And what do you pay a guy who barely has played at all throughout his first contract as a quarterback? I think that's going to be an interesting discussion down the line if that ends up materializing because Aaron Rodgers, for all we know, he could play for the next five, six, seven, eight years. We just don't know. I mean, look what Tom Brady is doing and I know he's an anomaly, but still, I mean, Aaron Rodgers is still slinging it right now after the season he's coming off of. I mean, it was phenomenal. Yeah, I mean, um, you know, in, in 2021, men and women are simply healthier, uh, going into older age. I mean, and especially in the, in the NFL, guys are just healthier. Quarterbacks are going into their 39, 40, 41, 42. I mean, it's a, it's a different day and age. Uh, Drew Brees, obviously just retiring. Like, um, Nick, how old was, is Drew Brees right now? Is, is he 42? I believe he's 42. Yeah, I mean, I don't like correct me if I'm wrong, but we didn't see this 10 years ago. Like we, we did not see, I don't know. I remember, I remember when I was a kid, like Vinny Testaverde was 41 and now that was like really big. It's like, Oh my God, he's so old at quarterback. I just think it's, uh, things are changing this, uh, these days. They absolutely are. And I missed, I missed Testaverde, man. He was a, he was a fun quarterback to watch, but that was a jet thing, not a giant thing. But Joseph, do you have anything else? Um, I, I mean, before we go, I, I wouldn't mind maybe just going real quick between me and you, what our favorite signings were. I mean, there was a lot of like big slash signings and, uh, I, I would ask you, like, what was your favorite signing of the free agency? Yeah. So I think Joe Tooney, I think bringing over 29 year old guard who is very durable, doesn't miss any games, 16 million a year. I think that's a lot. Five years, $80 million. He was with the New England Patriots, obviously has championship pedigree, goes to the Kansas City Chiefs. I just love the idea of bringing over a guard to really help secure Patrick Mahomes and you're protecting your biggest investment in Patrick Mahomes. So I do like that. Again, that's a lot of money. But then I got to also talk about Corey Lindsley. This is kind of still a lot of money, a center. You're paying him five years, $62.5 million. That is a lot, but you're still kind of trying to create that offensive line so Justin Herbert doesn't get killed for the Los Angeles Chargers. I like focusing on these trench positions. I I think those ones come to mind, and we kind of touched on a lot of the other ones that I really do like. Carl 
Carl Lawson to the Jets. I think William Jackson to the Washington football team is a solid one. Yes, it's a little pricey, but I do believe that he's a good player. And I really love the Kenny Galladay signing, and not just because of the Giants. I think when you look holistically at the Giants' entire situation, I think that is an ace. That is exactly what the Giants needed. It's exactly what Jason Garrett needs for his offense. It's exactly what Daniel Jones needs to take that next step. And I think it meshes incredibly well with what the Giants already have on their roster with Saquon Barkley, Sterling Shepard, and Darius Slayton. Now, Darius Slayton isn't going to be a number one. He's going to be a number two. I think that's very important. So I think the Kenny G one, even if I wasn't a Giants fan or somebody who covered the Giants, I think that would be an excellent signing. I was viewing it from another platform, but I also think the Buccaneers, you touched on it, what they did, they were able to retain Chris Godwin, Shaquille Barrett, Rob Gronkowski. I think that was amazing as well. Yeah, a few things just to touch on. Um, you mentioned Darius Slayton going in that number two role. Darius Slayton is going to have a huge season, provided that things go reasonably well on the offense. It does not take an expert to see that Darius Slayton is, I mean, Galladay is going to get those those prime matchups. Slayton has already proven, you know, what I was mentioning before, like more than what his ceiling was. I would not be surprised if if Slayton goes for I don't know eight fifty nine hundred yards, six or seven TDs. Um, I think he's going to do well. The, the uh, before I go on, um, Nick, what, what do you think about that? I think that's a fair take. I mean, it's something we've seen from Darius Slayton before. We saw it in his rookie season. They were comparable to the numbers that you just listed, and he didn't have that big X type of receiver to command the bracket coverage on the backside to allow him to operate. He was just doing that with an injured Sterling Shepard and a hobbled Saquon Barkley. So I don't think that's a terrible take at all, Joseph. Only only last thing I wanted to uh, comment on was you mentioned Joe Tooney was a huge signing for the Chiefs, right? Five years at $80 million. So the Chiefs let go both of their tackles in, in Mitchell Schwartz and um, uh, who was the other, the other tackle? Eric, Eric Fisher. Right. Now, um, correct me if I'm wrong, they will be getting Laurent Duvernay-Tardif back because obviously uh, Duvernay-Tardif, he's a doctor in Quebec, he's a... He decided to work all season in uh, in Montreal, being a doctor. I'm I'm I believe he's coming back. Have he you is heard coming. Yeah. Right. Okay. So they got um, Duvernay Tardif coming back. They sign Mike Remmers one year at seven million. They bring in Tooney. They get Kyle Long out of retirement. And this is going to be an interesting Chiefs offense, off, offensive line and offense to watch. I mean, I, I'm kind of excited for that. As am I, and I'm actually really curious to to see how they kind of work the personnel. I think Remmers will probably end up being the starting right tackle. I think they're going to go offensive line in the draft, and they're going to try to find someone to be left tackle. I mean, Eric Fisher, it's not like they just cut Schwartz and Fisher just because they needed to save money. Now, that had to do that had something to do with it, but they were also both injured. Schwartz was injured for most of the season, and Eric Fisher tore his Achilles in the AFC Championship game, which was a terrible injury and they just couldn't carry him with the price tag. So it's going to be interesting to see how they really find the tackles to to protect Patrick Mahomes, but their interior offensive line right now is, is going to look really, really sexy. Yeah, it's it'll be cool to see how Kyle Long performs coming into retirement and then um, – and then, you know, yeah, see, that that's sort of a, a, a larger storyline that I am fascinated by is all of these guys who took the season off due to, to COVID, I mean, what are they going to look like? Like, are they going to be coming in with, with uh, you know, the, the, the belt notches, a uh, few notches above? Or how, how out of shape are these guys going to be? Or, or I don't know, are they going to come in and, and it's going to be like they, they didn't, never missed a year? I'm not 100% sure, to be honest. It's actually really fascinating, though, especially for some of these skilled position players. I wonder if their 40-yard dashes are going to be significantly lower because they've been having a little bit too much fun. But hopefully they're professional athletes, and that won't be the case. Only last, uh, for real, the last signing or the last thing I want to bring up was uh, the Patrick Peterson signing uh, in uh, Minnesota Vikings gets gets uh I would like to say future Hall of Famer. I don't, I don't know if that's too hot of a take. I don't uh, think it's year, hot. Right. Well, one year at 10 mil. I'm, I'm super excited for that. I love Patrick Peterson. 
And I think that's up to $10 million too. So if he doesn't perform, I believe the base salary is $8 million. So I think that is a good landing spot for him in Mike Zimmer's defense. He can really use Patrick Peterson's ability to play man coverage. And anybody who watched the Giant game this year knows that Patrick Peterson – I mean, he's not the Patrick Peterson of old, but he can still be effective. I mean, he was pressing the Giants receivers at the line of scrimmage and just sticking to them like glue. So I do believe that is a good signing for the 31-year-old and for the Minnesota Vikings. But Joseph, before we get out of here, can you tell everybody where they can find you, my man? Uh, yep, Twitter. You can grab me at, uh, at Joseph Zick, uh, at Joseph C-Z-I-K-K. That's great. Is there, and then you can also find his work at Big Blue View as well. So everybody, thank you for tuning in to Falato on Football here on the Big Blue View Radio Network, and we'll catch you next time.